0: Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren.
2: with Joshua P. Warren.
0: I am Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the program. I interviewed a real exorcist. Now, what is the real story with exorcism? Well, you guys know how I am and that I always do my best to get to the truth and keep it simple. Well, let's give it a try with this subject, shall we? One of the world's most famous exorcists is Bishop Brian Willett. He lives in Georgia here in the United States. I met him in 2018 when we were both on the set of the Ghost Adventures live TV program on the Travel Channel, Halloween Night. Okay, that was a live broadcast. And in fact, if you're a fan of the TV show Ghost Adventures, you know exactly who he is. Uh You know what? He and Sister Mary Joan formally blessed me that night, the first night I met them, Uh, blessed me with holy water, uh, along with Darren Evans, and uh, that is just a wonderful memory, a great introduction to him and his work. Bishop Willette hosts a podcast called Vestiges After Dark, and he recently interviewed me on his podcast, a terrific discussion about aliens and Lots of other weird things. Uh, If you haven't heard it, you should definitely go back and listen. Vestiges After Dark. That's his show. Well, Bishop Ouellette has become a friend over these years, and I've planned for a long time to have him on this show so we could have a blunt, frank discussion about the truly controversial topic of demonic exorcism. Now, as a brief bio for you, Bishop Brian Willette is a semi-retired, autocephalous Catholic bishop. And yes, I had to look up the word autocephalous. (laughs) And I've published books with Simon & Schuster. (laughs) It basically means independent. Okay, so he's a semi-retired, autocephalous Catholic bishop and exorcist. For the old roman catholic sacred order of saint michael the archangel order of exorcists also currently offering private instruction in gato zen meditation mysticism prayer and christian esotericism he is currently the presiding bishop of the Holy Nicolaean Catholic Church. And you should go visit their website. It is esotericcatholic.org. You know, esoteric, E-S-O-T-E-R-I-C, esotericcatholic.org is the website. And also, I follow him on Twitter, of course, and his Twitter handle is at Exorcist Bishop. That's pretty cool, At huh? Exorcist Bishop. So anyway, he is he's a warm soul who has just helped a lot of people over the years. And I mean, people in the most desperate stages of life at the end of the rope. So without further ado, let's just jump right into my recent conversation with him about who he is and what real exorcism is truly all about. Bishop Willett, I wasn't raised Catholic, thus I don't have an organic understanding of how the Catholic system works. So please, in the simplest way, uh, help us understand your relationship to the traditional Catholic Church.
3: That's a good question. It's a loaded question, um, but I can do my best to try to simplify it. Uh, essentially, Catholicism is the more ancient form of Christianity, perhaps the most ancient form of Christianity. It's a liturgical system um, and it has a very strong mystical and spiritual side. Um, That is, I think what attracts me to it and certainly others as well who find themselves looking for something deeper, um, you know, have that mystical aspect to their own spiritualities, but also happen to, uh, find value in the Christian worldview. So Catholicism sort of answers that. That does orthodoxy as well. Um, but, you know, you could really kind of say they're two sides of the same coin. Orthodoxy is more of the eastern flares of the church and then the western church is, of course, Catholicism. Um, but, you know, as it always is, in you know, after 2,000 years, people start to disagree with the direction um, the religion goes, and um it led to various schisms, so the first schism, of course, was the ten fifty four schism that broke the um the the four uh, eastern churches with the western church, and the four Eastern churches became the orthodox churches, and you know Catholicism became the well the only western church um and then over time, of course the protestant reformation um and then after that. Um, there were even breaks within Catholicism itself, where there were people that did not agree with certain uh, administrative decisions that were being made by the Vatican, um, but at the same time still felt very much connected to everything else that was Catholic. And so this uh, this was another schism, uh, you know, happening in Europe um, and over the course of the last few hundred years became what is now known as the Old Catholics or the Old Roman Catholics, and uh, the Old Catholics started. Uh, well, ha- now having been completely separated from Vatican authority, the bishops in the old Ca- uh, in the Old Catholic uh, schism could now um, ordain and consecrate whoever they wanted without having to seek permission from the Vatican. So that created a- an entirely new series of bishops that otherwise would no, never have been consecrated and because apostolic succession does not depend upon administrative authority it's a spiritual thing it was perfectly valid for them to do so so these bishops that broke away from uh, the vatican administratively started ordaining and consecrating uh, their own bishops and those bishops consecrated their own bishops, and then there were breakaways from that that created what is now known in this country, at least in the United States, as the independent sacramental movement. And these are uh, essentially fully valid Catholic priests and bishops, but not um, not under Vatican authority and, and certainly not uh, affiliated in any way administratively with uh, the Roman Catholic Church. The only connection really Tends to be spiritual, and that is it's still Catholicism, um, but it's just in the very much the same way that all Eastern Orthodox bishops and priests are valid, but they're not under Vatican authority. They o- operate out autoceph- of in an autocephalous capacity under their own jurisdictions, and we're kind of that. So I I am the presiding bishop of the. Nicolayan Catholic Church, which, which is in uh, full union with the old Catholics, uh, through my work as an exorcist for the um, old Catholics' Sacred Order of Saint Michael the Archangel, Order of Exorcists. So that hopefully that is very very a brief <laughs> explanation, but that kind of gives you a little bit of the history of what went on.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that was great, uh, and it, obviously it's just so important to understand all of the complex facets of, of what you do and the tradition that you're relying on. What do you say to an atheist, someone who says, hey, why do you even believe there is a God?
3: Well, I think, you know, the only answer that can be given in that respect is that one has to have a direct experience with God in order to be able to confidently hold that belief. Now, you can, you can believe out of hope, which I think a lot of people do, but there are also people that believe out of experience and that's a very different factor. For me, I w- would fall into that latter category. I, I struggled through parts of my life with um, atheism. And it was only when God revealed himself to me in a very direct and deliberate way um, that I developed a certainty that I now possess and that has shaped my faith experience going forward. So I, I don't define faith as believing in something that you can't prove. I believe, uh, you know, I, I would say faith is, has nothing really to do with belief. Faith has everything to do with trusting that um, that a particular thing is true or a particular uh, experience religiously is true, by having a direct encounter with that very thing. That gives you a certain, a sort of certainty. So it's kind of like, you know, um, it, it's kind of like going to a place you've never been before. You know, you know it exists, but unless you experience it directly, you don't really know it. You can only know about it by what other people tell you. And, I mean, if you're talking about something that's really hard to connect with, like going to the moon, uh, for example, uh, if you're not an astronaut that has had that experience, then that creates the room for doubt for people to say, well, the moon landing was faked and it never really ever happened, um, because people haven't experienced it. Same thing with these these flat, flat earthers. You know, it's unthinkable to me that anybody in the current time of 2021 would actually believe still that the earth is flat. But this happens because it, the, the direct experience of seeing the, the earth round is really not available to most people. You have to trust sources that have done it. You have to trust that those are accurate sources. And that's even becoming more of a question today. So God's not terribly different from that. If you don't have the direct experience, it's very difficult to believe in it, particularly if you're a rational person, um, if you're very left brain like I am. Uh, it's very difficult to uh, overcome the natural doubts that I think
0: humanity has. Okay, time for a break. When we come back, we are jumping right into the big topic, exorcism. What is the truth? I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back.
2: The loss of hair is definitely not something that gets better with age. In fact, at age twenty, twenty percent of men and women show noticeable hair loss. By 60, that number is closer to two-thirds. With that in mind, Dr. Nathan Newman saw an opportunity. Easy to use Reveal is so much different than the tired old products on the market. Reveal uses stem cell technology and natural ingredients to revitalize the appearance of your hair for a fuller look. Here's more on Reveal with Dr. Newman.
7: In the Reveal skincare products, we were very conscious to use everything that is natural from our plant stem cells or from plant extracts that are not going to damage your hair or cause irritation. Because most of the products that we had, uh, phthalate, a lot of alcohol, parabens, or things that we didn't really want to expose our health or our hair to, we were very conscious about keeping the Reveal hair care system very natural. And even the preservatives that we use. is a natural preservative from plants you cannot find many products out there that give you all the benefits without all the problems
2: join thousands of women and men enjoying fuller looking hair with reveal and only at healthylooking.com can you get reveal with free smart delivery shipping just remember discount code george at checkout easy to use award-winning reveal can be yours in days by ordering now at HealthyLooking.com. That's HealthyLooking.com. Or by phone, toll-free, 24-7, 800-604-3129. That's 800-604-3129. Reveal from HealthyLooking.com.
1: Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters big and small, support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS.
0: Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, and you must, you must go to my website, joshuapwarren.com. There is no period after the P, joshuapwarren.com, and sign up for my free e-newsletter there. It takes you two seconds. And I am going to be sending you some breaking news and some really cool experiment updates and other things that are only accessible to subscribers to my uh, free e-newsletter. And when you sign up, you just put your email address in there. You hit the submit button and then you will instantly receive some gifts from me that will help make your life a much, much more magical experience, I promise. So go do that right now at joshuapwarren.com. All right, now let's get back to my conversation with the exorcist bishop, Brian Willette. But let's get to the big sensational topic, exorcism. Okay, what is exorcism really?
3: Well, I can give you the church's answer. I can give you mine. Um, you know, um, I guess I'll give you a little bit of both so that you can kind of get a full picture. Because I, I tend to. It depends on which way. Um, it depends on which direction I need to take the the the, the question, in in order to arrive at an answer that I think is accurate. Because they are different. Um, the church uses a model that is completely based upon its paradigm. I do not. I step out of paradigms constantly, which is one of the benefits of being autocephalous and independent is that I don't have to adhere to any particular conventional system. I can step outside of it as often as I need to in order to get the best results for the client that I'm trying to help. Um, but in the Roman Catholic Church, a Roman Catholic priest or a Roman Catholic exorcist has the paradigm that they must follow and there's no room outside of that paradigm. So in in, in traditional terms, in terms of the, how the conventional church sees exorcism, it is the expelling of a demon from an individual who has become um, the target of what is essentially a fallen angel. And um, so the right of exorcism is to remove that intrusion from that person's uh, life, usually their body. Um, they don't, I mean, the, the distinctions of, like, obsession, uh, oppression, and possession are just degrees uh, uh, in, in in terms of identifying the, the, the level and severity of the problem, but ultimately it comes down to a demonic attachment. Um, now, I would take it a completely different direction from that. Now, in the model of Catholicism, it's true, um, but it's only true in terms of how one would look at it from an archetypal perspective, I tend to step outside of that. And I see demons as, um, truly sentient, non corporeal, which is, I think the Roman Catholic church would agree to that, to that extent. But at the same time, I would take it a a step further and say that, um, these are aspects of the human psyche, um, that fracture and uh, become sentient, independent, um, well, I, I guess you could say psychological processes that invade the ordinary functioning of that person's psyche to the point that now um they are being influenced by this 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 newly generated um consciousness, and that of course is is only applicable when we're talking about it from the side of the the demonic, Um, but there's all sorts of possession. Actors, the people that do method acting, they are actually cultivating a type of possession in order to do method acting. Um, You see it with some people that get so serious about it and it ends up, you know, killing them. Um, Heath Ledger is a good example of that with his Joker, um, you know, he, the reason I think he was such an incredible Joker, I've really never talked to anybody who didn't like his, 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 uh, performance. I think it was certainly the most realistic Joker I've ever seen. Um, and yet I think it got into his head to a degree that he probably had a very hard time getting it back out again. And I want to say that, um, that, uh, Jack Nicholson, um, told him, uh, be very careful with that character. Um, And I've talked to other actors about this phenomenon of where when they start to become the character, it sort of changes their behavior and, and they feel almost as if there's another, that the character's real, but existing sort of. Uh, simultaneously within them. That's a type of possession. It's just the reason we wouldn't classify that as demonic is because it doesn't have a negative effect on the individual um, and it can be useful. The same thing you can say in Vudan and Santeria. You know, Vudan is another example of ritual possession that is, you know, use, utilizing a connection to the ancestors, the Loa, and they are invited in. Um, they possess the uh, the vessel. That is willing for a period of time And then when the ritual's over, you know, everyone goes back To normal, and remarkable things Can happen during that process But again, it's not considered demonic Because it's, it, it's part of the religion And it's nothing uh, There's no deleterious effects But at the same time, um, you know We're we're all susceptible to these things. There's a very strong psychological component, and it It comes back to the fact that the very word psyche, the word that we, the Greek word that we get the the word psychology from, um, in the ancient you know, in the ancient uh, understanding of the term, psyche literally means um, um, soul. It's they would not have distinguished the difference between um, a uh, the, the spiritual nature and the world of the mind, like we do, we see the world of the mind as a neurological process that's you know kind of uh, physiological. They would have said that there was no difference between the spiritual world and the world of the mind. they saw it as the same thing, and I think that is the that's the gap that a lot of people can't or struggle to cross when trying to understand what exorcism is. So what you're really doing, whether you're doing it through the Roman Catholic paradigm of expelling a demon, um, or you're doing it my way, which is the same model, only I take a different perspective on the actual metaphysics of it, which is to heal a, a, a fractured psyche and to put them back into a state of wholeness and sort of integrate these nasty archetypes that exist within our DNA I and mean, built within us. We are made of archetypes. and. Um, the strongest two archetypes that we will ever encounter are going to be the trickster and the shadow. And those archetypes together produce um, when combined with our animal nature and the more primitive aspects of our mind, the reptilian brain, for example, when that combines, when those two archetypes combine with that animal nature, you end up getting a demon out of that. Now, most of us are not constantly, cultivating a relationship to those dark archetypes. In fact, most of us tend to avoid those dark archetypes. We might toy with them in horror movies or we might toy with them with, you know, uh, any kind of dark story. Um but some people take it too far and um and then sometimes you don't even really need to make a conscious decision in order to unlock some of that within us. It can sometimes just spontaneously arise and then now we have um, a, a, a malevolent sentience within us that needs to be corrected. Um, and that's kind of what I would say demonic possession is, and exorcism is healing that
0: fracture. So when we envision demons as little devils running around, uh, little monsters of some kind, uh, is there any truth to that? I mean, are there demons in that sense? Yes, but I think only in an archetypal
3: sense. Um You know and I don't try to say this to marginalize it because I would actually tell you you know that philosophically speaking I would say architects are more real than we are Um, I think we are really sort of a, a a reflection of those things and when you really break down human nature you know we are made up of an aggregate system of various degrees of archetypal patterns um, and you have people that are very heroic. Therefore, they uh, encompass a, a large quantity of the hero archetype. You know, you have people that are like the old, you know, the wise old man. Um, You have people that are the eternal child. Um, And then, of course, you have the darker characters like the shadow and the trickster. And there's numerous archetypes and there's numerous sub archetypes that are sort of spawned off of those parent archetypes that Jung focused in on. Um, and ultimately what we are, are combinations of those things, our entire identity is based upon uh, a, a careful uh, a ratio of countless variations of these archetypes built into what seems like a personality and a identity and a self that really doesn't exist when you break them all down. It's kind of like I like to tell my students, it's kind of like a pen, you know. I can take a pen and I can take the little top off and, you know, and then I'll take the spring out and I'll take the ink cartridge out. I'll take the little, you know, the little um, button out that lets you, you know, uh, bring the ink out in a ballpoint pen. And when is it no longer a pen? You know, wh- how many parts do you need to take it apart where you can't call it a pen anymore? It's only really a pen when it's all together, when all these parts are together and also functional when it is useful, when it can actually be used for the purpose of what a pen is used for. Otherwise, you basically just have aggregate parts that, you know, don't really have much value unless they are all working together for that singular purpose. And human beings are very much that. And that's what you tend to see with people that do suffer from demonic uh, uh, problems. They tend to be people who are are struggling with finding purpose. They are struggling with... Identity, And this sort of gives an opportunity for these archetypal patterns, these more negative-oriented ones, to arise within them.
0: You'll hear how he actually conducts an exorcism when we come back. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be right back after this.
5: of
6: spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with anabay anabay the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices that's right sofas from only six hundred thirty nine dollars anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet friendly stain resistant and changeable slip covers made with performance fabric cloud-like comfort with high resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply.
7: Hey, the Coast to Coast AM YouTube
5: channel is waiting for you. now. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information
2: if you feel stressed suffer from fatigue moodier than usual or would like to fall asleep easier and sleep more soundly while losing weight do we have something for you accelerate and elevate i take elevate performance supplement in the morning for energy and laser focus for work then before bed i take accelerate weight management and sleep combo and indeed i now sleep soundly through the night. plus i'm losing weight it's amazing i've maybe
6: gotten four to five hours of sleep max a night i'm sleep between 6 and 7. I wake up to use the bathroom but I go right back to sleep which has never happened before which is pretty awesome.
7: I noticed a higher level of happiness I also noticed that I wasn't taking naps. I had more energy. I was
5: more in the moment with my kids like we were laughing more. We were more excited. Every single person needs to feel this.
1: I lost 10 pounds and five and a half inches off my waist and I'm so proud of myself. It gives you energy it helps you sleep better it just works. I stand by it 100%.
6: I was on a handful of medications to help me sleep, to help me be happy. Tons of therapy. When I'm ready to go to sleep, I'm getting seven to nine hours of sleep every night. I've lost some pounds, um, inches mainly. My family has me back.
2: Try Accelerate and Elevate. Discounted for listeners to the show. Plus further discounts with the George Power Pack, including a free gift. Learn more and order now at our website, EnergyFocusSleep.com. That's EnergyFocusSleep.com or 800-394-9930. So jump on the path now to all-day energy, better sleep, and weight loss with Accelerate and Elevate. EnergyFocusSleep.com EnergyFocusSleep.com or 800-394-9930.
0: Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. And now let's get back to my unusual conversation with the exorcist bishop, Brian Willett. When you go in to function as an exorcist, and you have a task, you have a mission, you have a problem to solve, and you're trying to figure out how to address that problem, do you believe that all of the negativity is somehow being generated from that individual's psyche, or do you think that there is something that can be almost, almost physically removed from that person like a parasite?
3: Yeah, I would say it's all the above, really. I think it really works as a symbiotic relationship. So I don't think there's really anything happening outside us that isn't having a parallel within us. I think that's, again, part of that old occult system of as above, so below, and that works on such a multidimensional level. The macrocosmos and the microcosmos relationship is always there. It's It's always reflecting. We are merely a reflection of something that's happening at a higher level and we are experiencing it here at this level because that's where the point of experience is for us and so it feels as though all these things are happening outside of us um, or independent from us but in reality you know we're inside it and it's inside us but what you are extracting is essentially a non-corporeal energy pattern and breaking it down Um, you know the church just says you're sending a demon back to hell. Well, that's a nice story that kind of conveys the ineffable reality that most human minds are not going to necessarily comprehend because it's outside of their paradigms. Um, So the story is a way of making it make sense to the average person. But for someone who's actually doing this work professionally, they need to know what's really going on there. You understand that there's something that drives the functions of the church. There's something that drives these particular rituals and the way that they're written in order to literally seize control of a offending archetype and break that pattern down so that it can no longer harm anyone. So, (laughs) you
0: know, well, you know, you and I and everybody listening to this show, we are all very, open-minded people were capable of using our imagination and talking about things on a deeper level and seeing the difference between the physical and non-physical and how all those things connect, etc. But, uh, if I'm just sitting in a bar, uh, <laughs> and some guy next to me says, are dogs real? I go, yes. And he says, are unicorns real? No. Are sharks real? Yes. Are dragons real? No. Are demons real? What's the answer to that question in that scenario?
3: I think that depends upon the worldview and how uh, that worldview allows within the paradigm to accept the reality of that thing or not. Um, I think there was a time where you could have gone into a bar and asked if dragons were real, and you would have probably gotten a majority response that said yes. I think there was a time where that could have been true. It's not as true today because our paradigm has shifted to not allow for that archetype to manifest in that same way anymore. Demons are still part of the mass consciousness, which has been largely uh, promoted by uh, Hollywood and shows like, you know, paranormal television, ghost adventures, you know, clearly um, that helps to create a sort of realism to it. That brings this absolute reality into the realm of the conventional. And we exist in the realm of the conventional. We are conventional constructs, always built by paradigms and biases. We're very much, you take out the paradigms and the biases of people, there's very little substance there for most. Um, I would say that that possession comes from the superego. Okay, so when the superego feels violated, which is usually because it's, its think of the superego as like this goody two-shoes part of yourself um, that has working mostly, again, outside of normal consciousness. It's really sort of operating independently of you. And it's always evaluating the the, the morality of something or the ethics of something. It's making value judgments about everything you see and do all the time. And it's weighing this against your decisions that the ego makes. And so when the ego steps outside of the boundaries of where the superego wants it to go, that's what creates this sense of wrongdoing and there's usually a little bit of gratification that comes from doing wrong, which is why we tend to do things that are wrong because we can gratify ourselves this way. And that produces a, 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 a an effect within the psyche that creates the the, the the stress fracture that eventually can create a permanent fracture. Uh, that would then result in the appearances of possession, so if a person, for example, is raised in a in a in a system where their superego um, sees fornication as a sin uh, as a mortal sin, perhaps something that would be absolutely unthinkably wrong, and then you know their biological urges of the id comes into play at some point in their adolescence and they fornicate with someone. Um, that can be all it takes to create enough of a stress fracture because the id's doing something, making the ego make a decision that it shouldn't do, and then the superego doesn't like it. And then that creates the seed for there to be something from that shadow or, or a trickster archetype to take over that person's consciousness because now there is a, uh, an opening, a violation within it that, that, that made it weak. So this is where we see, and I'm talking now in my terms, in the Roman Catholic terms, they would say that sin or a a proclivity to sin in a particular way um, makes one spiritually weak, which gives it opportunity for the demons to come and attack itself because vibrationally you are now aligning, aligning yourself to something that is darker instead of aligning yourself to something that is holy. Uh, Again, both models are true. It's just one's a little bit more authentic and accurate than the other, Um, but doesn't mean it's any less true to use the model that the Roman Catholic Church is, uh, you know, because that's actually an easier one for most people to understand than the one is that I described.
0: So putting all this into practice, uh, please give us a classic classic example of a uh, possession-type scenario in which you help the person as an exorcist.
3: Well, I can say that any time we've had a case where the client was very receptive to everything that we told them to do, um, we have a 100% success rate with such cases. Um, and it's not to pat ourselves on the back and say, "Look at us, we're we're so magnificent that we always know the right thing to do and say." Um, but what it really comes down to is helping the 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 client to understand the dynamic that is at work within their situation and to resolve it. Now in most cases, exorcism is not required, okay? So a lot of times all it takes is getting them reconnected to things that help to again gratify wherever they're at within their superego. So a lot of it has to do with finding out where their superego is and where the violation point occurred. And bringing them back into, um, uh, I guess, uh, harmony with themselves, so that those three parts make sense. And again, even that's a model. That's just another way of trying to describe these things that are very much beyond us. Um, but it really helps. And so, um, I would say that you know we had we had a client that had all the classic signs of possession, absolutely in every possible way, and, um, and what are well, those, almost every way. way. They, Well, um, you know, in this particular case, um, she could speak languages that she did not study. Um, Ancient dead languages, um, Aramaic, um, I I believe in in, in that one that I'm thinking about, I believe Aramaic was one of the ones that she would say. Um, She had superhuman strength and become rigid to the point that this little tiny lady that barely weighed 70 pounds would become so... Uh, Heavy that you know, even three people would struggle to lift her. Um, In some cases, you know, we even will see levitation, although it's not like all the way up to the ceiling or something like that. It's 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 generally just a few inches off the ground, Um, and then there will be uh, other things that. Uh, you know, can affect the power systems. For example, like I remember one exorcism we did on the same individual I'm talking about where um, we uh, reached the end of the exorcism and uh, it blew the power out, but it flickered three times. It went off and then came back on, went off, came back on, went off and stayed off. And it blew out the power to the entire blog um, and it stayed out for like, I, I want to say it was out until the next morning. So, um, there was no explanation for that other than the fact that there was so much energy being generated in the room at the time that it affected the phenomenal world around it. And that's because there, there's, there's complete interconnection and symbiosis there.
0: So, happened. so getting back to the lady now, she was exhibiting all of these symptoms that you said are classic possession Well, I guess symptoms. Um, So what did you do next? Well, we we um, we tried several
3: blessings, which made her uh, worse. And that's always kind of a good litmus test for us to be able to say, okay, this is looking more like possession, Um, because typically a person who's not possessed is going to be able to sit through a blessing, even if it makes them uncomfortable they'll sit through it. Um, they won't act out in any way that's too strange. But when they will react violently and then go into one of these states that they absolutely do not remember, once they enter into the possessed state, they never remember anything about it. It's a complete blackout in their... in their. Um, it's almost as if they, they arrive at the church, they get the blessing, they black out, and then we're performing exorcism for two or three hours, and then they come out of it, and they feel like they just arrived. It's like all that time is gone now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very common thing that we see. So yeah, so we we performed a blessing, it it, made her worse, I tried the sacrament of unction, which would be the next step that um, she would not allow at all. So we went right into uh, exorcism at this point, minor exorcism.
0: When we come back, you will hear what happened when he went into exorcism mode. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back.
4: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80.
8: Dr. Nathan Newman, doctor to top athletes and celebrities, plus creator of stem cell-based Luminesce, is proud to announce a much lower price on his products so more can enjoy a more youthful look. Luminesse is great for women and men on those fine lines, wrinkles, under-eye bags, plus great on the neck, forehead, and hands. Dr. Newman. What causes the skin to break down with age?
7: Changes that we start to look on our skin starts actually in our 20s, where we get sun damage and the effects of pollution and our environment start to cause our skin to age and we start to break down the collagen, the elastin, and we get glycation, which is the sugar that we eat, gets stuck within the collagen fibers and makes our skin inflexible. The luminous skincare line does two things. One, it has a reparative effect So it makes the skin look and feel much better, softer, supple, and more young and smooth. But it also is preventative. So it prevents the skin from the breakdown and the damage that we get from the sun and from the environment and from sugars that we have in our body.
8: Thank you, Dr. Newman. For several years, we have offered LuminS products and decided a price reduction was in order, so more can enjoy the amazing benefits of Dr. Newman's stem cell-based LuminS. Shop now at HealthyLooking.com or call toll-free 800-604-3129. If you would like to try LuminS, how about our starter kit postage paid for $19.99? See the full line of products from Lumines, plus our starter kit offer at HealthyLooking.com. That's healthylooking.com or call 800-604-3129. Luminesce from healthylooking.com.
0: Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and here is the rest of my conversation with the exorcist bishop, Brian Ouellette.
3: And, um... Was able to stabilize her, bring her out, but of course, that's not minor exorcism. Doesn't typically create a healing of that fracture, or, if you want to use Roman Catholic terms, re- removal of the demon. Um, it it it's really just a way of sort of in, in, uh, imparting grace to that person so that they can be stabilized. It's it's kind of like a person who's having a heart attack. You know, and, and you're getting their, their vitals stabilized, but you're not solving the problem that's causing the heart attack that might need surgery later on. So um, solemn exorcism is sort of like the surgery. That's where you're going in and take out the malignancy. And that takes time and planning. So after several sessions of trying to do it with minor exorcism, we eventually then uh, planned a solemn exorcism a few weeks later and then proceeded to remove 10 uh, demons from her, um, and uh, they they came out one by one.
0: So, okay, what are, what exactly are you doing in the middle of one of these minor or even major uh, exorcisms, and how do you know when the demon is out?
3: Well, there's signs of release, and you see it in their eyes. Typically, um, I remember in this client, which was really remarkable. And I wish I had, you know, I'd, sometimes I wish I could just have like a little camera on my head that can I'll see what I'm exactly seeing so that we could capture some of these moments. Um, But they're so violent and, and there's so much struggle that there's really no way to record this stuff to be able to really capture it well. So a lot of uh, exorcism footage looks like UFO footage was just blurry. Um, But, you know, we, um, her eyes, changed from normal um, where the, the iris was just the normal shape to being like a, the, the, the eye of a snake. Uh, it became this little sort of dot and with almost a, her, her eyes, which I believe were blue turned into almost like a silvery gold, like a metallic kind of um, color. And it's, it, it, it stayed like that and it, and it, it's, it, it stared me down. You know, and I got in there and I stared it down. Um, And by this point, I had acquired the demon's name, which is helpful um, because that's when we start to gain control over it. And I continued the rites of exorcism using holy water um, and drenching her in it. And I think we went through two gallons. I poured about two gallons of holy water in that one exorcism on her. She was literally dripping. Both of us were dripping wet. Um, and she screamed um bloody murder. I mean it was it was the most horrific thing I think anybody in that world could have ever heard a human being you know, make that kind of sound. And then suddenly she she got up, got rigid and then and then became completely limp and her eyes went back to normal human looking eyes. It was the most remarkable thing that I can I can say I've ever seen in any exorcism I've ever performed. Um, and that was the sign of release because it, it clearly no longer had any hold on her. And, um, you know, we let them rest for a few moments after that happens. And then we gently wake them up and it's almost like bringing someone out of hypnosis where they wake up and they're normal again and they don't remember anything that happened.
0: So what tips would you give anyone listening right now on how to protect him or herself from demonic issues? I would say have a
3: very strong um spiritual center. And again by spiritual I don't necessarily mean it has to be religious. I, I don't mean it has to be ethereal. It needs to be grounded in something that's larger than yourself. That you can at least if you if you're atheist, fine. But even an atheist can be philosophical. Even an atheist can use philosophy to go to reach to higher levels of awareness. Um, anybody can meditate. You don't need to believe in God for that either. All of these things are tools that can be used to cultivate the mind, to strengthen the mind and to at the same time strengthen the body um, so that one can be far more um, skillful in their activities that they undergo throughout their life. And for a religious person, it's much easier because they can adopt a religious system that is already a proven system that has all of the built-in psychological protections already there. And faith and relationship to God gives us that strength to to be able to overcome any of these negative, adverse reactions that can happen spiritually. So um, there's no excuse. There's always some world... um, well, I don't want to call it a worldview. There's always a, a, some method that can appeal to just about anyone. And, um, and even if it's science, I mean, science can be also a very useful tool of looking outside oneself. Physics is a great one, particularly like quantum mechanics or theoretical physics. These are things that kind of take us outside of our normal paradigms and let us know that there's so much more to the universe than we can possibly imagine. All of that to protect us.
0: You were telling me off the air that there is one question in particular that you get all the time, at least once a week. What is that question, and what is the answer? Um,
3: if demons can be um, transmitted through the television by watching horror movies or paranormal TV shows, this is a question I get almost every week. Um, it's a very common one. I'm tired of answering it actually. Um, But I like to to answer it on talk shows like this because it gives me an opportunity to kind of get the word out. So hopefully I don't get asked it too much on social media. Um, But the answer is absolutely no, unless you fear it. So all of this thing comes from fear. Fear is the the biggest enemy. If you really want to say, who is the devil? Who is Satan? Um, it's, it's, It's your own fear that's where the devil comes from. That's what gives birth to the devil. That's what gives birth to darkness. So when you fear, you're in trouble. And so if you fear paranormal shows, if you fear, you know, movies that deal with Satanism, then yes, those become weaknesses for you. But if you understand that, you know, you're, you're, you're above all those things, they can't touch you, they can't harm you, then you're not going to be affected. And not even in real life. You could sit through a real ritual with an actual Satanist. And by Satanist, I'm talking about the, 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 the ritualistic kinds, the, the ones that actually do believe that the devil is this real angel that they worship. There's many different types of Satanism. But I mean, you could sit through a ritual like that. You could sit through a black mass. You could sit through literally, not that you'd want to, a human sacrifice and still come out completely okay because you'd be above anything that's there that could harm you.
0: Well, Bishop Brian Ouellette, uh the clock has got us. So in closing... If someone is experiencing spiritual chaos right now, uh, what practical advice do you give on how to seek help? And, and please tell everybody how they can learn in general more about you and your work. The floor is yours.
3: Well, everything that you would ever need to know about me, my work, um, and all of the things that, you know, we have as far as services go, whether it be teaching or actual spiritual problem resolution. Um it can be found at the web, at our website, the church's website, which is um you can find it at esotericcatholic.org. Um, all one word, esotericcatholic.org or nicolaian.org. Um it's the same place, same it gets you to the same location. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E-A-N dot org. Not dot com. A lot of people put in dot com and say, I can't find your website. No, it's dot org. Um uh, we don't have the dot com. But, um, everything there. There's lots of resources. Uh, the, the podcast that I have is there. Uh, Nicolayan, um, television is there where you can watch the mass and we have other functions and things that you can get connected to. I have a, uh, a webinar that I teach once a week on these higher esoteric things. Uh, if you're interested in that, that, that's helped a lot of people as well. Um, there's a lot of conventional stuff there as well as a lot of, um, outside the box content as well um so yeah if you can't find it there um then then you're not going to find it so it's all it's all there somewhere in the hub
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay that was my conversation with the exorcist bishop brian willette thank you for being on the show brian i will certainly have him on in the future to talk about a lot more EsotericCatholic.org. Follow him on Twitter at ExorcistBishop. And you know what? I got an email from a guy that I need to refer to Bishop Willette. This guy has had a lot of unpleasant weird stuff happening and attachments and he sent me one of the creepiest pictures I've ever seen. And we're almost out of time, but I'm telling you in an upcoming show, I will give you his whole story. He gave me permission to tell you the story and show you this picture. So people who subscribe to my e newsletter will, will get it first. But you know what I think we all need after listening to all that? I think we need to take a deep breath, recenter, rebalance. Oh. <sighs> And just meditate on the good fortune tone. Are you ready? If you can, close your eyes. Here it is.